When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, Super Bowl 57 is set as both the AFC and NFC Championship games are in the books. Today, I'll give you the first of my two favorite conference championships in NFL history. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, we're ready. I've got paperwork. (laughs) NFL historians and lovers of sports history welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals. Or you gals and guys. It's cool if you already know this stuff. Congratulations. Yes, give it up. But there's always someone who does not. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to enlighten, teach, and learn. This is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. The show is presented by Billy Up Sports. Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. Billy Up Sports Media. All right, Billy Up Media. Check us out on BillyUpSports.com, our new home of megaphone all right that's our central location megaphone uh you can also catch us on all the favorites apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, as well as amazon music stitcher iHeartRadio, youtube and more so all right so the afc nfc championships are finally in the books and we have a super bowl ladies and gentlemen and um i, I mean it's about time we're what about another week away and the pro bowl is changed just flag football game this weekend i mean that's that's great so we're really waiting on next week and there's some teams who really need to heal up well one team in particular so let's get to it the nfc afc championship rundown first of all the nfc championship 49ers at eagles well (laughs) i want to say you can only do so much but i mean you got there san francisco um, with a third-string quarterback playing like a seasoned pro with the best defense in pro football was the number one defense in San Francisco versus the number one offense, especially uh, on the ground with the Philadelphia Eagles. San Francisco, they were number two versus the rush. And we really didn't get to see it a whole lot because this, neither one of these games, first of all, let me get this out there, disclaimer, none of these games went exactly the way that I thought that they would. Not saying the pick teams that I picked because I actually did pick a 49ers Bengals Super Bowl, but that was only if things happened. Uh, let's just say if a team did what they were supposed to do. This game, the NFC Championship game, nah, that didn't go at all the way anybody really thought that it would. So let's get into it. Um, so again, you had the San Francisco 49ers, they were number two against the rush, 20th versus the pass. So what was I thinking? All right, so San Francisco, make them throw the football. That was probably the best option. I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts can't because you have two great receivers with A.J. Brown as well as Devontae Smith taking passes for from the potential MVP of the league, Jalen Hurts, who not only can hurt you with the run, he definitely can kill you with his arm. So, and despite a shoulder injury, you know, that was weeks ago, the guy came out the last game, um, you know, the week before against the Giants. My shoulder's fine. All right. So, what was I thinking? Oh, that's what they had to do. San Francisco needed to stop the run in order to win this game and do what they do on offense. Uh, the Eagles, they needed to run the football in order to, to win this game. I mean, it, it kind of went that way, but yet, not exactly like that. So, let's be real. I must say, and this is per ESPN staff writer. Bill Barnwell. I'm just going to quote some of what he wrote that basically this game between the Eagles and 49ers was all but decided in the first quarter. 
you know, San Francisco, they lose Brock Purdy. He tears uh, his UCL, never even heard of that, uh, in his elbow, and he couldn't even throw the football. I mean, he, he was four for four in the game, but he couldn't throw the football. First of all, where this game went, I mean, so we don't want to make excuses. Devontae Smith, he didn't catch that football on that first drive. All right, so you take seven points off the board, and that was on fourth and three. But it almost didn't matter to a large degree because if if Purdy still gets hurt and then they're playing their fourth quarterback of the season, Josh Johnson, San Francisco is, and at one point, Josh Johnson goes down hurt, and you have zero quarterbacks, all right? And you, they're talking about possibly either Kyle Juszczyk or Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback. I mean, you're playing a, a defense against a, a one-handed or, or just no-handed offense. And you're playing against Army or something like that. And uh, it's essentially, this game was over after uh, possibly their future quarterback got hurt. And uh, what, six months? And he's supposed to be getting a second opinion. I haven't gotten any updates on that. Um, you know, forget the, you know, Devontae Smith play. The, the, the Eagles ran for four touchdowns in the game. Um, it, it wasn't a dominant pers- uh, performance by any means. And it was a one-sided game the entire time. You had all kinds of craziness that was going on. Again, you bring in the fourth quarterback of the season, Josh Johnson. That didn't work. Uh, and then you had the turnovers on offense. Uh you move the ball on, on one drive where you tie it up. Christian McCaffrey, he scores on a run. And speaking of which, it, even when Johnson got hurt, there was talk again, you know, McCaffrey's going to have to play quarterback. Thank God that didn't happen. But, I mean, <laughs> Purdy does come back, but his elbow was jacked. They couldn't do anything. It wasn't exactly the hardest day for the Eagles. They did play a team for 90% of that game that had no quarterback. So, basically, yeah, I know Josh Johnson technically was a quarterback, but look, I mean, you're playing a four-stringer in an NFC Championship game. Remember, playoffs, you're playing the best of the best of the best as you go further and further. And when a team is not at their best, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm not making any excuses for San Francisco. Injuries are a part of the game, but you have to be you have to be honest. If you're an Eagles fan, uh, look, we got a little bit of a break. <laughs> so <laughs> you didn't exactly have to do a whole lot great coaching job by Kyle Shanahan but again you can only do so much check out these numbers first downs San Francisco only had 11 Philadelphia 25 the Eagles they only had 269 total yards I think they had over 100 and some odd yards rushing I think like 140 or something like that but they didn't have to do a whole lot San Francisco only 83 yards passing and 81 yards rushing you know better than that you know San Francisco was not 100 percent uh you know they're they're better than that as well and it doesn't also it also does not help when san francisco has 11 penalties as well as three lost fumbles creating short fields for for the eagles so hey look nick sirianni you deserve all the credit Jalen hurts eagles offense the running game all the credit in the world you know but you got you did you get get um a little bit of uh uh i hate to say it but you got an easy pass you did. You got an easier path. So, um, and then 49ers, I mean, how much longer is this going to be sustainable? But check these out per Adam Schefter of ESPN, his Twitter account. 49ers key unrestricted free agents this offseason. Offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Ward, uh, George, uh, excuse me, Charles Omenu, and then also Jake Brindle, who's offensive lineman, Robbie Gold at kicker. Tayshawn, uh, Tashawn Gibson, uh, Kerry Hyder, Sampson, uh, Ubukum, uh, Daniel Bruskill, and then um, Emmanuel Mosley. You have some key guys on that list that are unre- unrestricted free agents. Now, whether you lose some or all, you know, we, we won't know for another couple of weeks, months, or whatnot, but uh, you want to hold that team together. And then they got a big decision to make as far as quarterback. But then the guy that was that helped get you there after winning 12 straight games and and Purdy going seven and zero, that could possibly be your future. But six months, he may not, he's not going to be able to throw or anything. So that remains to be seen. But anyway, to even more interesting, AFC Championship Bengals at the Chiefs absolutely feel terrible for uh, Cincinnati linebacker Joseph Osai. We'll get to that in a second. 
We know the numbers. Joe Burrow, 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. You got the Cincinnati mayor, you know, talking about that they need a paternity test and, you know, to see if basically <laughs> if uh, Burrow and the and the uh, Bengals are their daddies, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Burrowhead Stadium. I mean, throw all that out after what happened on Sunday. Uh, defensively, the Chiefs, you know, the Bengals, both teams kind of middle of the road, but Cincinnati's, uh, you know, they O-line, they blocked really well against Buffalo last week when it comes on the offensive side of the ball, but it didn't start off that way when this game kicked off. Figured that may not be a problem against Kansas City because, I mean, they've done so well, right? Well, three sacks in the first quarter alone on Burrow, including Chris Jones, as good as he has been, as good as he is, uh, he got his first ever postseason sack. So the Chiefs, they picked up a 6-0 lead in the second quarter early on, and uh, they got the fourth sack on uh, Joe Burrow, and it just wasn't looking good. But they got themselves together. You got to score touchdowns instead of kicking field goals, right? Uh, but they did need that kind of performance because defensively, we already know that the Chiefs, especially against the pass, they're not the best in the world. They lose LeJarrius Sneed in the first quarter to a concussion. And they had a bunch of rookies out there trying to cover Jamar Chase and Tyler Borden <laughs> and the 6'5", T. Higgins, uh, who high points the ball with the best of them. Uh, big fourth uh, fourth and one touchdown pass from Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. They was up, what, 13-3? And then Burrow, he throws an interception. Jalen Watson, you know, one of those rookies. And that was due to pressure. This time, it was from the former bingo himself, Carlos Dunlap. What, two minutes and 22 seconds before the half? And... You know, I have to agree with Phil Sims when it comes to the Chiefs offense because they did go cold, but the rest of the panel on CBS they was like, hey, you know, Patrick Mahomes, this is probably the best thing that could have happened to him with him having that high ankle sprain, forcing him to play within the system, right? Trying not to scramble all over the place, right? And speaking again of T. Higgins, he scores on what Higgins would call an 80-20 ball, not a 50-50. They tied the score at 13. So the Bengals were not going anywhere. Right, Patrick Mahomes, he's on one leg. Uh, he hits Valdez, uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling a couple times, including a touchdown, puts them back up 20 to 13 in the third. But he's doing all of this. Mahomes is doing all of this without just about all of his best receivers. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, MVS is the best thing he has out there, other than, of course, the all pro and their be actual best receiver, Travis Kelsey. When he had those two, having those two, because they didn't run the football very well. You know, and I, you know, uh, Pacheco, he, I mean, he was decent. He was. He broke off a couple. But throwing the football was going to be um, a task. And I told you last week that this Bengals defense is underrated. They play well. And they played well, uh, well enough on Sunday. Just, you know, one play too many, right? And Mahomes, again, he's playing. You talk about. The 49ers being handicapped without a quarterback, they had injury issues there, obviously, right? At the most important position. Well, not only is Mahomes playing on one leg, but then he's having to throw the football without Kadarius Toney, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then Nicole Hardman. All of these guys got hurt and they were done for the game. And people also want to talk about, what, that third and nine, you know, with the, the referees didn't exactly handle smoothly. I mean, it ended in a punt, all right? And they did the same thing. With the Bengals, they had like a third four that they had to stop to play and replay it and fix the clock. I mean, the Chiefs fans, they were loud. They had issues with the mic. They had issues with blowing the whistle. But I mean, it was weird. If all you know, all of those who think that the NFL is rigged, please uh, go look in the mirror. Get a mirror. You know what I mean? Just stop it. Stop it. Uh, just want to throw that in there. But as far as the game, you, know, you had Patrick Mahomes with that uh, self-inflicted fumble. Um, and then, uh, you know, so, I mean, you had some real onions there by Zach Taylor. And that's, you know, throwing that out there, uh, the way that they made that fourth and six call in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor, he calls it fourth and six. Jamar Taylor, excuse me, Jamar Chase from Joe Burrow. Wow. And then the game is tied up at 20. Again, the Bengals, they were not going anywhere. You fast forward to the fourth quarter, you know, and Chris Jones, he gets his second sack and, it turned out to be the biggest of the career, you know, there towards the end of the game, forced Cincinnati to punt, but it wasn't over just yet. Uh, what? Sky Moore, he has that big 27-yard return to get it back toward uh, near the field, the 50. And then the play, third and four, Mahomes 
finally has to actually run, the, just blot out the pain and literally run for that first down that they needed. Because remember, their kicker, their kicker, Harrison Bucker, has not been very consistent all year long. If you listen to this show, you know. If you're a Chiefs fan, you know. This guy's been missing extra points as well as easy field goals. Not been the Harrison Bucker of the past. He got it done on Sunday, but that, that was not something that was going to be automatic. But then you have Mahomes running for that third and four, got the first down, and Osai had to put his hands in his back. And I thought Osai tore up his knee or, uh, or, or broke his leg one. He shoves Mahomes to the ground on his way. Yeah, it was kind of a trip, but he had his hands on the quarterback. They're going to throw that flag no matter what you say. Okay, the flag is thrown. There's 15 more yards added on to the, the play. Harrison Bucker, he kicks a 45-yard game winner. And then that was it. You know, that was it. So, <laughs> I mean, Chiefs, you better rest up because you have, you're have you going to have your hands full. I, yes, I did say that the Eagles had a very easy road getting to the Super Bowl when it comes to the postseason. Yeah, you played the Giants and you played the 49ers who didn't have a quarterback most of the game. So, um, it is the Super Bowl. But Chiefs, you better rest up because the Eagles, they will do it to you. So, I mean, that's what it's going to be. Eagles, they're two-point favorites in the first Super Bowl ever to feature two black star quarterbacks. That is awesome. That is awesome. All right, coming up next, if you're tired of Cowboys and 49ers talk for a second week in a row, you might want to wait till next week. I'm kidding. Please stay. You're already here. So what I'm doing this week and next week is my favorite NFC Championship game this week and my favorite AFC Championship game next week. And we're doing like kind of a long form rundown of the game with a little bit of, you know, some some facts and uh, interesting things sprinkled in. So last week we discussed the 49ers and the Cowboys playoff rivalry, right? Of course, you know, the AFC and NFC Championship games. Uh, I want to talk about those games uh, that I love, that my favorite ones, in my opinion, the best ones in NFC history. Today will be the NFC Championship game of my choice. Um, and feel free, please, to chime in uh, because there are several games to choose from. The choice is never easy. We gave you a little bit of history behind the Dallas and San Francisco rivalries. The Cowboys, who were born in expansion, uh, they weren't very good. They you know, only won 26 games from 1960 to 1965, but in 1966, they finally broke through, the 60s and 70s Cowboys. Dallas, you know, they went to uh, five Super Bowls. Uh, they could have went to the first two of the 60s <laughs> to make that number jump up to seven, but they lost to Green Bay, and they did play in the Super Bowl again five times in the 70s. They got two rings, nine playoff years. And from 1970 to 1972, Dallas personally escorted the 49ers to the playoff couch after beating them in back-to-back -back NFC title games as well as the divisional playoff game in the 72 season. San Francisco didn't have much success outside of making the playoffs in the mid-50s after they left the AAFC. And um, they made a run under former Cowboys defensive back and, well, defensive back coach and defensive coordinator Dick Nolan. Nolan was a player himself in the NFL from 1954 to 1962 for the Giants, the Chicago Cardinals, and the Dallas Cowboys. So by 1981, these two teams, when they came together in Candlestick Park to play the NFC Championship game January 10th, 1982, Tom Landry again, he got Dallas to all those Super Bowls and all those playoff appearances. And again, the 49ers, they kind of stunk, you know, especially since 1976. They hadn't had a winning season. They went through several coaches. And they pretty much started over for the umpteenth time. This time, Bill Walsh ends up being the guy who they strike gold with. Thank God for Eddie DeBartolo Jr. I used to be a 49ers fan. They hired him in 1979. And by 1981, Walsh had taken the 49ers from two wins to 13, which led the NFL. Now, after beating the Giants in the divisional round, they would meet Dallas in the NFC Championship game. Dallas, who finished this season themselves at 12-4, they had beaten up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38 to nothing. 
So this game ended up being a rematch of a 45 to 14 week six blowout that the 49ers had over Dallas. It wasn't great for them. Uh, you know, they, they had to face again Tony Dorsett, who was second in the league in rushing with over 1,646 yards. The, the 49ers defense. Um, you have to remember that Bill Walsh drafted four defensive backs. He brought in uh, three in the first round. I mean, in the first three rounds alone, you had Ronnie Lott, you had uh, Carlton Williamson, and then you also had Eric Wright, who was drafted in the second round. So uh, they went from 27th in the NFL to number two, the number two total defense in the NFL. So, I mean, very interesting matchup. And they're coming in, Vince Scully and Hank Schramm. They're the ones who's doing the game. And I rewatched this game for the first time um, in a very long time. I watched the entire game. I rewind and play and play and rewind. It was great. You know, just watching it, you know, start to finish, you know, just like I was on Sunday. I spent That's how I spent my Saturday rewatching the 1981 NFC Championship game. So, you know, when the game finally kicks off, right, first quarter 49ers they decide okay we're going to make sure that the 49ers know excuse me that the cowboys know that we mean business that that 45 to 14 game was not a fluke because you have to remember that the cowboys had been doing a lot of trash talking so you know cowboys the america i mean america's team and all that right and then one of the things that was constantly said especially from one too tall jones who i read is not exactly the guy that would do a lot of trash talking but he said that the real cowboys didn't show up and basically it was a fluke that they lost the game now keep this in mind in 1980 the cowboys hosted the 49ers and they had beaten them 59 to 14 in dallas the 49ers wasn't there yet and the 49ers that year finished six and ten that was an improvement on 2-14 from 1979. And so you have all of this stuff going on and then Bill Walsh, he's pissed. The players are pissed. They're not getting in any respect. And even after they beaten in week six, the, the Cowboys, the way that they did, they was expecting to be on, uh, be fe featured on the, you know, the Monday night, uh, let's just call it the Monday night countdown, right? Howard Cosell. And there was nothing. There was crickets. So they weren't getting respect yet. And I understand because they hadn't proven themselves yet. You may have had a fluke game where you beat somebody down. We see it all the time in sports, especially in football. You can have a bad game and you get blown out. I mean, take the 49ers themselves, right? They lost to, I believe it was the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think it was like 40, ah, the year that they won the Super Bowl in 94, they lost early in the season. Is it to the Eagles? I think it was to the Eagles, like 40-something to three. And they ran through the rest of the schedule. There was an offense that set records that year. So that may have been the thinking. You have to understand the thinking there. Yeah, somebody gets blown out. They get beat by a team that they're not supposed to get beat by. And, you know, <laughs> the Cowboys weren't exactly being humble about it because they come out of the 70s pretty much on top of the world you know having two championships and being in the playoffs they got all of these you know guys that were either hall of famers or some guys that had been hall of famers or they were some great players if even if they weren't in the hall of fame and they weren't exactly gonna say oh, i mean you know yeah you pat them on the head it's like hey good job you, you did a good job but when we come to your house it's not gonna be what happened uh you know weeks and weeks ago right so First quarter, 49ers, they drive right down the field in like 40 minutes and some change. And the play call, sprint right option. Except this one is Freddie Solomon going in motion, and then Joe Montana hits Freddie Solomon for an eight-yard touchdown. So, yeah, you, you get the setup. You have you have the team of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, the, the first team before the dynasty really begins. You have Randy Cross on the line, Keith Herrenhorst. You have Joe Montana. You have Dwight Clark, Freddie Solomon before Jerry Rice, all right? Um, you've got in the backfield, you have Earl Cooper. And uh, I'll get to the running back in a minute, one of the running backs that played in the game. Uh, defensively, you have Ronnie Lott in his rookie year before his Hall of Fame career really took shape. You have Keena Turner, who's a great linebacker. He had chicken pox. And a matter of fact, I come to find out that most of the team had been sick with the flu as well. So uh, they're playing against 
Ed Tutal Jones, Harvey Martin, Randy White. Um, you have to remember that Landry had Roger Staubach all that time, right? Well, Roger Staubach retired in ninth, after the 1979 season. They got Danny White now. Danny White, who had been drafted by the Cowboys back in 74, took a little bit of a break you know, because he was, according to Gil Brandt, going to be the punter. He wasn't going to play quarterback because they was all good right there at the time. Remember, this is 1974. He goes and plays in the World Football League for a little while for uh, the Memphis team, and uh, then he comes back, right? And so he's he's the quarterback now. Got a little bit more on that later. And here's the thing. This is actually their second NFC Championship game in a row. They had lost to the Eagles the previous year in 1980, and then they're back again. So no wonder the Dallas Cowboys thinking, I mean, this should be no problem. We've been here. You guys haven't. And you, this is the first year that y'all have had a winning season since 1976. As so you have Drew Pearson and Drew, uh, Drew Pearson and Tony Hill on the outside, uh, Doug Cosby, who actually was a tight end, he was actually a Bay Area native, okay? He used to go to the old 49ers games and was at some of those uh, championship games where they were wearing F Dallas t-shirts. So he was from there playing a dollar for you know some of these tickets that they were going to these games, right? Um, and then you have, of course, the Hall of Fame running back himself, Tony Dorsett in the backfield. So this team with Tom Landry, they are right and ready. They're still, uh, they, they, are they aging? A little bit, a little bit, but they're, they're, they're a good team, right? So first quarter, they allow San Francisco to go down and they score a touchdown the first drive, all right? So, all right, okay, so they're here. We're still not worried, right? Well, the Dallas Cowboys got the ball back and there was a number that said that when Tony Dorsett rushes for over 100 yards, that the Cowboys were 28 and one. When he rushes for 50 yards or less, well, they were under 500. He looked like he was well on his way to 100 yards, people. If y'all didn't go back and watch that game, his first four carries, he had almost 25 yards, 24 to be exact. But on one play, he's going around the right side and he actually got a heel to the face. When you go back and watch the, the, the replay, I thought that Dwight Hicks, who had knifed into the, the play as he's going down being tackled, as Dorsett is being tackled, looked like he may have caught a knee to the head, but that wasn't the case. Or even that Dwight Hicks' hand went to the face mask. No, his left foot, his heel was coming up off the ground as he's running past, and Dorsett is falling down. It just happens his heel goes into his face mask. That, that was a fluke play. Got him up under the eye, and Dorsett was gone for, for a little bit uh, of the of the uh, first half. Did come back eventually, but he was gone. A uh, Raphael stepped in, 45, 44 yard field goal. He knocks that down. It's 73, 49ers. Bill Ring fumbles, running back for San Francisco, and uh, <laughs> he did that on a third and two. Looks like he's on his way to picking up the first down. He cost the ball up the first of many turnovers for San Francisco, who actually led the league in not turning the football over. More on that later. And then that ended up turning into a Danny White to Tony Hill 26-yard touchdown pass. So as you go into the second quarter, Dallas has a 10-7 lead. And Joe Montana, he's going, uh, apparently the plan was to go after the rookie cornerback, another rookie, not Ronnie Lott but one Everson Walls, who was an undrafted, didn't know that he was undrafted, an undrafted free agent cornerback from out of Grambling. This guy had 11 picks during the entire regular season, so he got some challenges, and it looks like he's won a lot of them. But today, he got the first of two picks off of Joe Montana. He goes deep against Montana. I think it was Mike Wilson was going deep, and he He's running step for step. Walls picks him off for the first time of the game and turns over the 49ers. That turnover number two. The 49ers get the ball back after a short punt from Danny White, who punted as well as being the quarterback. You don't see that anymore. So, uh, and then eventually Montana puts the 49ers back on top 14 to 10. There was a lot of talk, like I said, about how Montana was, you know, cool and all that stuff and didn't really do any trash talking so quiet as kept Montana did a lot of trash talking especially to 
<laughs> too tall Jones. And uh, there was one play that he stepped up, and it was he did make too tall look bad. He's, you have to see it. He drops back to pass, and it looks like too tall has him dead to rights, and just kind of just shakes him by stepping up, by just kind of sidestepped him, made him go to the ground. He hits Dwight Clark for a big, big first down, and uh, he's like, Res- "Respect that mother bleeper." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I mean, they were hot, and Bill Walsh had those guys thinking about that. He's, there was Dallas today is no different from, from Dallas back then because they were just kind of the almost not necessarily self-proclaimed America's team, but nobody there was a lot of team, a lot of fans outside of Dallas that did not like that. And so <laughs> um, that that didn't sit well with the 49ers when you had them talking to the trash that they were and they weren't getting any respect. How would you feel if you weren't getting respected? Well, Montana made them look even worse. Uh, D.D. Lewis, linebacker who was playing his last game of his career, was retiring at the end of the season no matter what. He blitzes. Montana sidesteps him. And uh, he's got – someone's got him by the leg. And on one leg, he throws a great touchdown pass, 20-yarder uh, to Dwight Clark, who literally ran uh, – who ran a triple fake route on Dennis Thurman and had Thurman's underwear around his ankles and was wide open in the end zone line uh, all by himself. So Dorsett does return with the 49ers up by four. White goes deep, and then he gets picked off by Ronnie Lott. He was blanketing Drew Pearson. But the problem was that Lott, he got called for pass interference. This one was was not legitimate at all. You go back and you look at it. Maybe he was cutting Drew Pearson off a little bit, but it, it wasn't pass interference. That was a turnover that, you know, should have should have uh, stayed, but that it wasn't. Couple plays later, Dorsett he kept a eight-play, 80-yard drive on a sweep to the end zone for a five-yard touchdown. Cowboys they got a 17-14 lead uh, with what 2:30 before the half, and then things got really interesting with just that two minutes and 30 seconds on the ensuing drive. My talent he gets sacked on third and seven. Too tall got him. San Francisco punts. Then the backup running back for Dallas, James Jones, he muffs it. San Francisco recovers Amos Lawrence, famous Amos is what they called him. And then uh, the rookie, Everson Walls, he gets called for holding. And then it's a first and 10 San Francisco. Earl Cooper, he breaks a five-yard run. Uh, Dwight Clark, he gets, <laughs> he gets called for a personal foul because of a block below the waist. And they get moved back to the Dallas 45, first and 20. Harvin Martin, he gets a sack. Fumbles, Joe Montana fumbles. Dallas recovers. A minute and 24 left. San Francisco 48-yard line. Then another slightly irritating play for 49ers fans was the fact that Jim Stuckey, who was credited for a seven-yard sack on this play on Danny White, he actually had the quarterback by the foot for maybe two seconds. White escapes and is getting ready to launch the ball, but has the ball stripped by linebacker Willie Harper. But the referee blows the whistle, blows the play dead, saying that the quarterback was in the grasp. 49ers fans did not like that. The Boo Birds were out. So, Stucky, he had made a fumble recovery. Hmm. So, the 49ers get the ball back. Couple of completions to Dwight Clark, but they wasted like eight to nine seconds before you losing their, uh, excuse me, using their final timeout. So, it was like 18, 19 seconds on the clock. They're driving, and they could have at least gotten a field goal. 11 seconds were left when Montana hit Freddie Solomon, who was uncovered in the slot. There were no timeouts left. Offense lined up for nothing as time ran out. All right, they head into halftime instead of a potential Ray Worsing game tying field goal. Dallas had the 17 14 lead. Halftime, all right? So you're looking at the halftime stuff. Three turnovers by the 49ers didn't help them at all. Uh, San Francisco were outgaining the Cowboys offensively 201 yards to 208. I mean, numbers can't lie, they really can. But in the third quarter, San Francisco, they punt again. Uh, another Jones Muff punt. Dallas, you know, they saved their own bacon and uh, <laughs> they got the ball back. But Danny White, he gets uh, intentional grounding. They ended up having to punt on fourth and 20. San Francisco, they drive, uh, ends in a tip drill. Another interception. This one, Randy White comes off the hands of running back Linville Elliott. More on him later. And, and Randy White gets the ball at the Dallas 13. San Francisco is driving, <coughs> getting this drive started, rather. 
The crazy thing is San Francisco only had 25 turnovers again during the 81 season. Again, they led the entire league and they already have four, four turnovers already in the third quarter, two fumbles and two interceptions. Dallas got the ball back, didn't last long. White had the exact same thing happen to him. <laughs> so a pass intended for his running back, Ron Springs, came off his hand, and then Bobby Leopold picks that one off. Back and forth we go, right? Keep in mind, there were six lead changes in this entire game. So San Francisco, they got the ball back where they had it at first, and this time they're at the Dallas 13. Johnny Davis ends the drive with a two-yard touchdown run. They drive, and San Francisco has a 21-17 lead. 5.44 left to go in the third quarter. And Dallas has the ball back. They drive um, pretty long there, heading into the fourth quarter is when they finished it. Uh, Raphael sipped in. He kicks another field goal, all right? And this was aided by a 28-yard pass interference penalty on Ronnie Lott. This time it was legit. Uh, you could tell Lott did not know where the ball was. I think it was going to Pearson again. or, or No, no, think Butch Johnson. Butch Johnson was going up the right side. And uh, you can see, if you watch it, Lott is literally, he don't know, what, he don't want to look back for the ball because he doesn't want to take a chance of uh, giving up a, a, a reception. So he's literally jumping, leaping up in there, and he's jumping up in there, and he's throwing his arms up, jumping up. And, you know, he knows he's getting flagged. He didn't even challenge it. And there was a big penalty on that. But the 49ers defense held. So that that was a good thing for them. But, and that was a 28-yard on, on Ronnie Lott. All right, third and three. Um, White goes to Doug Cosby, the tight end that was from the Bay Area, for a potential touchdown pass. And... Eric Wright knocks the ball away, and then Cosby's going up. He's going berserk. Ah, pass, pass interference, pass interference. Oh, and he's like, because he, he fell to the ground, he got hit from behind thinking that it was Eric Wright that hit him. That wasn't the case. Uh, Ron Springs was running a route going uh, back across the end zone, and they end up running into each other. So, uh, Doug, you know, don't, don't worry about that. that. That was your own man that knocked you down. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, Eric Wright. But San Francisco, uh, they get the ball back. Montana still in the game, thank God, because they just committed their fifth turnover on a second and six. A quick dive play went to the rookie fullback, Walt Easley. Easley was being praised. You know, it always happens right when they're saying good things about you. And uh, Easley was like, ah, you know, I'm I think his cousin plays on another team or plays baseball or something like that or basketball. I can't remember which, but they were saying how, you know, oh, and he had just made a pretty good play, and then he coughs it up. <laughs> he coughs the football up, and Dallas recovers on their own 49-yard line. Classic. Dallas linebacker, Bob Bruning, he actually hurt himself because he stuck easily. He is one of those old-school hits that, you know, made him cough that ball up. Um, and this time, they actually made this fumble count. Doug Cosby, he gets a little get back. Stop complaining. Yeah, here's your touchdown. Cosby gets a 21-yard touchdown reception from Danny White. Are you happy now? Of course he is. Uh, great number that came from Ben Scully on Cosby was that six of Cosby's last 13 catches had went for touchdowns. That's pretty good. Dallas has the lead. 27-21 with 10 minutes and 41 seconds left to go in the game. All right? San Francisco, three plays in. Montana again. He goes deep. He's challenging Everson Walls again. This time, Freddie Solomon. And Solomon was blanketed. All right? I mean, Walls was wearing him like a coat. Uh, no pass interference. It, it was just great coverage. And Walls picks him up again. Turnover number six. Six defensive backs were in the game, as a matter of fact. Dime defense that worked. Everson Walls again. 11 picks to lead the league. You thought, you know, you would think, learn. And he picked him off twice. He picked Joe Montana off twice. So Dallas has the ball. San Francisco, they had to step up if they were going to stay in this game. All right, the defense needed to tighten up. For the most part, Tony Dorsett had been shredding that defense, you know, early. And then he goes out with the eye injury. And then he comes back. He was averaging almost six yards a carry. And the Cowboys, like I said, they were sub 500 when he rushed for 50 yards or fewer, 28-1, if he was over 100. All right, that's week six matchup. He only had nine carries for 21 yards. That was shown was down 21 to nothing 
in the first quarter and throw the football. So they kind of took Tony Dorsett out of that game, right? Well, let's just say this. Dorsett, for this game, the NFC Championship game, he finished with 91 yards rushing. You do the math. Not to mention that a 49ers defense that was at one time 27th in the league and moved all the way up to second. It wasn't just their pass defense either. It was the run defense as well. But on third and five, Danny White, you know, he throws a pass that came off of Doug Donnelly. Uh, and it fell incomplete between Keenan Turner and Eric Wright, and he forced the Cowboys to punt. And Hank Schramm and contended Donnelly was wide open, which that was kind of a tough catch that he was going to have to make. It was White kind of threw it a little bit behind him. Could have made the catch, but look, that was tough. It was tough. White, he punched the ball all the way down to the San Francisco 11-yard line. Then you have the drive. Four minutes and 54 seconds left on the clock. Montana's numbers were eh, kind of minus. He was 17 of 28, 247 yards, and he had two touchdowns, but he had three interceptions. All right, so that's that don't sound like Joe Montana, does it? No. So the drive actually featured... This is the running back I was talking about, Linville Elliott, 30-year-old former Cincinnati Bengals running back. Uh, and Bill Walsh, remember, he got his start. Uh, well, not his start, but he coached with the Cincinnati Bengals at one time. Before that, he was with the Raiders. Um, but he, when he was with the Bengals, he had Linville Elliott. He's a dependable guy, someone that he relied on. I think that he played some six years in Cincinnati. And he had been cut in the preseason by San Francisco and then picked back up by the 49ers. Crazy thing is, you know, he had been out most of the regular season because of knee surgery. He only had 29 yards rushing for the season and caught seven passes, four games he played in. And he had only been added to the roster for this game. Wow. So here's the drive. First and 10. Montana, he throws. Pass too low for Linville, Elliott, incomplete. Okay, off to the left side. Second and 10, Elliott goes up the middle for a six-yard game. Then you have third and four. Got to pick up the first down, right? Montana, he hits Freddie Solomon, gets the first down. First and 10 for the 49er, 23-yard line. So San Francisco's sweet play is called 18 Bob. So they go 18 Bob to the right. Linville, Elliott for 11 yards and another first down. It's to be noted that Dallas had seven defensive backs on the field and one linebacker. More on that later. They're, they took it. Oh, God, this was just a, uh, this was great. This was a great drive. First and 10 from the 9 or 34-yard line. 18 Bob again. A sweep with Elliott to the left. Gain of seven. Second and three. San Francisco's 41-yard line. Another incompletion from Montana Elliott. No problem. Third and three, though. 222 left. Another Linville Elliott first down to the 49 or 45-yard line, plus a five-yard penalty on defensive end Bruce Thornton, who had lined up offsides and moved the ball to the 46-yard line. So <clears throat> what is also amazing is that the penalties were big for the 49ers as well. Dallas had been flagged only five times at this point for 39 yards. San Francisco, not only did they have six turnovers, they were flagged seven times for 106 yards in penalties. You lose those games. Those games, you lose. You're not in those games. Timing is everything, ain't it? Yeah, think about that. First and 10, Montana to Cooper to the Dallas 49-yard line. Five-yard gain, and we're down to two minutes in the game. Two-minute warning. Then you come out of the two-minute, second down and five. Then there's a double reverse. Elliott to Solomon. Solomon, I think he rushed for like 17 yards on that one, and it gets the ball all the way down to the Dallas 36-yard line. You have first and 10. Montana to Dwight Clark on the right sideline for on an out, first down, right there at the first down marker. Bill Walsh had the Dallas defense on skates. They were clearly expecting San Francisco to throw their way all the way down the field. Instead, they got a barrage of sweeps, dives, a reverse, and then a couple timely passes. And the one to Dwight Clark there, right? First down to 10 at the Dallas 25-yard line. 131 remained in the game. Okay? And keep this in mind, Bill Walsh still had all three timeouts. All three. Three timeouts. Montana, he dances in the pocket for a couple seconds before throwing a dart to Freddie Solomon inside the 15-yard line to the Dallas 13. They're going nuts. All right, this drive is going right. They call their first timeout. Okay? First down to 10, Freddie Solomon, uh, he had a step on Everson Walls in the end zone. 
going out to the left and he just slightly overthrows just overthrows him incomplete okay a minute and nine left second and ten another sweep 18 bob again linville elliott to the left side gains seven yards san francisco calls their second timeout there's 58 seconds left so what's the call brian brown right slot change right slot sprint right option is the play the formation is simple Tight end Charlie Young, he lines up on the left side on the line of scrimmage. Linville Elliott and fullback Earl Cooper, they're split backs behind Montana, who is under center. Freddie Solomon is on the right slot with Dwight Clark lined up on the line of scrimmage to the right. Okay? I must say this, though. I absolutely hate the way receivers used to line up. You watch that game, you know, Dallas, their receivers had the more, you know, the two-point stance like we see today, but... The receivers for the 49ers, they were going down in that three-point stance. Oh, God, that's just... Blah, blah, blah. I hate that. I really do. I really hate that. Anyway, Montana, he gets the snap. Rolls to the right. Earl Cooper throws a block on the outside on linebacker D.D. Lewis. Okay? Meanwhile, the prime receiver, of course, is supposed to be Freddie Solomon. He runs out. He's supposed to run out to the front pylon. And he slipped coming out of his break. It's a pick play where Dwight Clark is supposed to brush the defensive back, who I believe is Dennis Thurman, and run inside, which he does, but he's not able to brush the corner. Matter of fact, it's the same play the 49ers scored on earlier in the game, except it, the other version of it is that Solomon is coming across the formation left to right, and he run, he's in motion and runs that out. So different versions, same play. Montana is running out of both time and room, and he's going towards the sideline with Dee Dee Lewis, Two Tall Jones, and Larry Bethay bearing down on him. Montana, he pump fakes Two Tall into the air, and this guy's 6'9 now, and then he lost his pass to the back right side of the end zone where Dwight Clark had planted a foot and was coming back to that, back to the back pylon, right? He goes up, snatches the ball out of the air, with walls right on his back pretty much and Clark brings it down for the game tying touchdown as 49er fans in Candlestick they are going absolutely ballistic some people especially Dallas fans would say that Montana was just trying to throw the football away Montana said that wasn't the case at all that was not the play if you ever go back and watch the old TNT NFL films movie one of my favorites 75 seasons Montana explains that Bill Walsh did a lot of unconventional things in practice, and he had said that that play, and they practiced that play exactly that way. Um, and he had them practicing that play where he was just throwing the football up to Dwight just in case you have a situation like this. The play itself, Dwight Clark said, Montana, he wasn't, they weren't connected on that play at all, especially with him being the primary receiver, you know, Freddie Solomon. The ball was always incomplete or intercepted. Classic. Now, what I'm going to read real quick is an excerpt from the Gary Myers book, The Catch, in the discussion that Montana had with Walsh on the sideline. He, he goes to the sideline, and here it is. We're going to call a sprint option pass. He's going to break up and break into the corner. You got it? Dwight will clear, Walsh said. Okay, Montana said. As soon as you see the angle he's breaking, just drop the ball up there. If you don't get what you want, simply throw the ball away. You know what I mean? Walsh said, okay, hold it, hold it. Not there, away it goes. Okay, and you can actually hear this audio, by the way. If you watch it, you can hear the audio. You go back and watch NFL film. Uh, okay, be ready to go to the white. You got it? Montana then walked back to the huddle, and Walsh momentarily turned back to the field. Uh, he then quickly spun around and yelled to Montana, sprint option. Montana was too far away to hear him. He already knew the play. And like I said, you can hear the exact, that exact discussion, all right? Um, America's game, the Super Bowl, 1981, San Francisco 49ers. If people question whether or not Dwight Clark would just go up and get a pass that was simply being thrown away, just remember this. Dwight Clark was six feet four, and he could jump a little bit, all right? That is all. 6-4 now. When you watch the replay, it was Walls. You know, he had great coverage on Dwight Clark. Uh, but you see his reaction when the ball is thrown in, in his direction. Walls doesn't even react because he thinks the ball is so high. And he almost looks surprised that Clark actually come down with it. Clark is mobbed in the end zone. Cowboy fans were complaining and shocked. 
Vin Scully exclaimed, It's a madhouse at Candlestick with 51 seconds left. And, it, and he just lets it breathe. I love the way those announcers, they know when to let it breathe. And, and everybody's yelling and, ah, you know. Um, so, you know, Ray Worshing put the Niners up for good, turned out, with his extra point, and San Francisco led 28-27. to The game was not over yet. Clearly, there were 51 seconds left to go on the clock. The defense had to step up even more to get their first postseason win against the Dallas Cowboys in their franchise's history. If you listen to the show last week, again, San Francisco, they were 0-3. They were 0-3 against Dallas. So Dallas gets the ball. Worshing, he kicks a line drive ball that was fielded at the Dallas 12-yard line by Timmy Newsom. So he returns it uh, to the 25-yard line. Well, they take over. 47 seconds are left, and Dallas has two timeouts. It's first and 10. White had to take his team into just field goal range, not all the 75 yards in front of him. Just field goal range. That's all you need is a field goal. All right, Raphael stepped in, right? Danny White, and by the way, Drew Pearson, who has said I, that he wanted to be the hero, Said there was no doubt in my mind we were going to go down and kick that field goal, go to the Super Bowl. There was no doubt in his mind. Well, Danny White throws an absolute dart to Pearson over the middle on first down. A, a dart. 35-yard gain, and only Eric Wright, who made the ta tackle, it, it was, it was it a horse collar? Yeah, kind of, but they didn't call horse collars back then. All right, so relax. But he, he made the tackle. Um, even though Dwight Hicks was just behind the play himself, but some say, well, you know, Tony Hill would have blocked him and then he was going to be gone. That's possible. All of that was possible. Didn't happen. Eric Wright saved. He made the tackle that saved the touchdown. Dallas calls a timeout with 38 seconds remaining. So we still got some more to do, right? First down to 10 at the San Francisco 44-yard line. Eddie DeBarlow Jr., the 49ers owner, he made his way down to the field by this time. He looked a little bit worried. You know, relax, right? White had dropped back to pass and was almost immediately sacked by defensive tackle Lawrence Pillars. Fumble. This time, unlike the first half, Jim Stuckey recovered this one. He got that one, and that was it. 30 seconds were remaining. Popped the champagne. San Francisco was going to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 16 to face the Cincinnati Bengals, who had won against the San Diego Chargers earlier 27-7 in the AFC Championship game. But, yeah, that was it. That was it. Montana took the final two kneel downs, and he sprints towards the locker room. Number one single, pointing to the sky with the ball in his hand. They're going to Detroit for the beginning of a dynasty. Now, Eddie DeBarlow Jr., he never saw the catch. Again, he and uh, John McVay, they had made their way down from the press box, and they was down uh, with, there were people standing up all over the place. You have to remember, there were a lot of people that were standing on the sidelines and stuff, especially back then. And there was a, a, a cop on a, on a horse, and the, the, the horse the cop, uh, horse cop, is that a thing? <laughs> but the cop on the horse, he says, Dwight Clark, just, he never saw the catch. He said, he, said he, he was behind the horse, and he the guy, the cop had to tell him, because everybody's going nuts. He's like, Dwight Clark just caught a touchdown pass. That's how he, he saw, how he found out. He had to see it later on. A part of the aftermath, Charlie Waters um, was extremely upset, upset by the way that the Dallas defense was playing on that final drive. Why? Well, they went to that nickel, really a dime with the one uh, linebacker, right? <clears throat> and they were playing soft coverage. He had a point. All day long, Montana had taken some shots during that game. It was he was pressured a little bit, all right. On this, uh, on that 20-yard touchdown pass to Dwight Clark, he had to run up out of trouble with someone holding on to his foot. He made that off-balance throw. He had been he, he had been sacked. He had fumbled. Randy White nearly took him out in the third quarter when he uh, ran on a quarterback sneak, and uh, for a minute, you know, he had, I guess he had taken a helmet to the ribs or something like that. That's why I said earlier that I didn't give you any context at all, Montana was still in the game. Oh, that's why. There was a fourth and one that they kept the ball, even though there was someone lined up off sides and they got the first down anyway. He was hurt. He was hurt. Um, but, uh, you know, you had all of that stuff having you slow to get up. Third quarter touchdown run by Davis. There was a fourth and inches situation. Like I said, he snuck the ball. So that's when he got hit in the ribs. Dallas, uh, they, they were playing a 4-3 and uh, – 
but their defensive coordinator, who was a 14-year Hall of Fame defensive lineman by the name of Ernie Stoutner, he had uh, total autonomy over the defense. Um, <clears throat> Tom Landry allowed him to call whatever he wanted to. And he was told Waters, though, if you want, who challenged him on the sideline during the timeout, said, you can change the defense and we'll come out of the nickel, but if anything goes wrong, it's on you. Charles said, nah, I don't want that responsibility. Not, don't want that smoke at all. But something else I did not know going into my studies for this show is that the Cowboys actually had Joe Montana on their draft board. Danny White, against he was drafted back in 74, and again, he played in the World Football League and then came back to the Cowboys in 76. Tom Landry had Roger Staubach, of course, tired after the 79 season, and they transitioned into Danny White. And Hall of Fame Cowboys personnel director Gil Brandt has said, who had been on the sidelines the entire game, by the way, uh, as always, but said that the Cowboys uh, never deviated from their draft board. And when the third-round pick came up, Montana's name was there. But what did Landry say? Well, you could draft him, but I'm probably going to end up cutting it. Why? Because they had three other quarterbacks, supposedly, that were better than Montana at the time. They may have been true, but, I mean, well, <laughs> here we are. I, I'll do a show on that one day. Oh, God, this the book I'm reading right now, The Catch by Gary Myers, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's more than just that game, but both 49ers and Cowboys backstories. It's a lot of stuff I had never read before. But anyway, also, apparently there have been some death threats before kickoff. So, um, Joe Montana, he takes those two kneel downs. After that second one, he sprints all the way to the, the locker room, pretty much. You know, he's got the ball in hand. He's got his hand, finger, you know, yes, we did it, you know. And even on the touchdown pass, just to throw this in, if, I, if you ain't never heard it before, he tells uh, Tutal, Tutal says, you just beat America's team. This is before before the Dallas's last drive, <laughs> Tutal was already conceding it. So he's like, well, yeah, you just beat America's team. Well, you can sit at home with the rest of America and watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. Um, but there have been some, a death threat before kickoff. And so, and I'm thinking it was towards Montana's way, apparently. So he, he goes all the way to the locker room. He's hyperventilating and he passed out. I didn't know he passed out. I thought he was just, you know, hyperventilating. But they said he was passed out and he had to be revived by the equipment manager. That's interesting. Well, it's cool to know and to see the picture of Tom Brady, who's a Bay Area native. You know, uh, he's from San Mateo, California. And he was at the game as a four-and-a-half-year-old boy. I always wondered why he looked like he had been crying from that famous picture that's shown. And But, you know, as far as Brady, this is Brady talking. I don't remember much about the game other than that I cried when Dwight Clark made the catch. Not because I was happy or excited, but because everybody stood up and I couldn't see. <laughs> so he and Eddie DeBartlow, they couldn't see what was going on. He says that it's pretty cool to think I was at the game and Montana was and always will be the greatest quarterback ever to play. Hey, that's pretty cool right there from one goat to another. Wow. That's it. References. I know it went long this today. That was a long show. References. Thank you to ESPN.com, ProFootballReference.com, and also NFL Films, um, uh, CBS as well. Uh, DraftKings Nation, history of playoff history, uh, playoff rivalry, excuse me, between Cowboys and 49ers. Dallas and San Francisco have a rich playoff history. This was written by David Fusillo, January 22nd, 2023. Fansided.com. Uh, 49ers worst moment ever tried 1972 divisional game versus Cowboys by Peter Panacey. This was August 30th, 2020. And a couple books, a couple books. The Genius, How Bill Walsh Reinvented Football and Created an NFL Dynasty. This by David Harris. The Dallas Cowboys, The Outrageous History of the Biggest, Loudest, Most Hated, Best Loved Football Team in America by Joe Nick Patowski. The Sporting News Complete Super Bowl Book. 1993 edition editors Tom Diner, Joe Hopple, and Dave Sloan. Guts and Genius, the story of three unlikely coaches who came to dominate the NFL in the 80s by Bob Glauber. And last but not least, this book is good. The Catch, One Play, Two Dynasties, and the Game That Changed the NFL by Gary Myers. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for stopping by. 
um, presented by Bailey of Sports, Bailey of Media, Bailey of Sports Podcast Network, and BaileyofSports.com. Go over to it, click on it. Again, you know, we're on Megaphone now. Megaphone, also uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, all, and more. All the favorites. Tell all your friends and family about this show, or I will find your house. AFC Championship game, my favorite one. Next week, tune in, and then it's the Super Bowl. I'm out. Thank you.